0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Yo, it is another edition of Phillies Day. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Thursday, September the 13th, and we can officially call the Philadelphia Phillies season over And done with, we are waving the white flag. We are conceding that it is over as the Phillies seven and a half back the Braves win yesterday. The Phillies fall five to one. Even Aaron Nola finally seeming to suffer the fate of the rest of this Phillies team over the last month and a half as he had a a very un-Aaron Nola-like Outing, allowing four earned runs. The Phillies beaten by Steven Strasburg, who shuts them out. The lone bright spot a J.P. Crawford home run, which is nice to see. But just a uh, look. We are at the point with with 17 games. Seven and a half with 17 to play. Even more than that 2017. But I think the way the Braves are playing, there's very, very uh, unlikely they're going to Falter along the stretch, and more importantly, this Phillies team is not turning it around at the drop of a dime. They are just struggling so mightily now. Only three games above 500, they are 11 and 23 since August the fifth. 11 and 23. They at that time had the second best record in baseball. Now they are 11 and 23 since then. So uh, look, and I think it's um it's created an interesting conundrum with this team is, again, getting swept by the Nationals. They have now lost nine straight series, I believe. They've lost series to the Nationals, three of them. They've lost series to the Mets, two of them. They've lost a series to the Marlins. They've lost a series to the Blue Jays. It has been a a rough stretch of baseball for this Philadelphia Phillies team. And it's created an interesting conundrum because I've said many times this season, especially late in the season, of course, that no matter what happens, this season has been successful. In that, this team has overachieved. They played in games that mattered in September, at least a few of them. They made it. Uh, they made it not last nearly as long as it should have or could have. But this is a team that, at this point, the way they've collapsed again eleven and twenty three over their last thirty four games, that is uh, that is putrid. It's really bad and it is something that has kind of soured the fan base it seems on the season at large and on the good things that have been accomplished and there are a lot of facets to it because it's really interesting with the fact that now we're getting back to a debate about looking at you know, would it feel better if it had been the kids playing the whole time? And if we had seen more of Kingery and more of Alfaro and less of Astruba Cabrera, and if those guys weren't even brought in, would it be in some ways better to at least see the kids and see what we have and see the development? And another interesting spin on it that that a few people have said to me is, and I said the same thing yesterday's show, is if... uh, if the season were flipped around and the team started slow and then played hot to end the season and still finished five out or seven out or whatever they'll end up finishing at this point, they might be 15 out by the end of the season. <laughs> Not looking great. But um, if it had been the other way around, I think a lot more people would be positive right now. But it's, it's a really interesting conundrum because there have been positives from this season and there have been good things that we could take forward. And like we said, they played in games that mattered in August and and the beginning of September. They were fighting for a pennant race in the dog days, at least for a little bit there. And it's a young team that's never had experiences like that. We got to see them be a resilient bunch for a lot of the season, a, a tough fighting through adversity type of team. And it all came apart. So it's kind of muted the feeling that we had from earlier in the season. And I think it's also I've seen the other prevailing take or or question, I guess, whatever out there or, or issue is a lot of people saying that now it feels like they have more questions than answers when this season was supposed to be about developing and moving forward and and I've said thousands of times hundreds of times on this show alone that that I think that they have always been gearing up to build for 2019 and beyond I think that the organization was caught off guard with how good the team played for the first two-thirds of this season and you know I think they had one toe in as we saw with the moves they made at the deadline kind of fringe moves, fortifying the roster, attempting to, but not giving up anything of value for the future. Granted, they were in on the Manny Machado rumors, but um I think they've always been gearing up for 2019 and to make a big run at Harper or Machado or who knows a Mike Trout trade, which absolutely isn't insane as has been talked about. The Angels are going to talk to him about a massive contract extension. If they put a contract in front of him that is the richest in the history of the sport and he says, nah, I'm good. I'm going to wait it out. Then you know they're going to try and trade him and they should try and trade him. Who knows what the Angels will do? I should rephrase because the Angels have been run incredibly poorly for years and that's why they've wasted the greatest player of a generation so far on crappy teams that have not done nearly as well as, uh, as Trout himself has and... Um, I think it would be wise of them if he won't sign to, to try and trade him for the biggest haul that has ever been given in baseball history. And the Phillies are deep enough to give that haul. And I think that comes back to the questions and answers things. I think we've talked about this a little bit on the show, but when you look at the roster and the organization and you look at blue chip guys and Aaron Nola, clearly a blue chip guy, even though he's. Pitching his way out of the second at the end of the season here, but I think that was Jacob Degrom's award to lose regardless. But uh, outside Aaron Nola, and then I think Reese Hoskins with the potential, at least from an offensive perspective. I don't think uh, I don't think Reese is ever going to be a good defensive left fielder or first baseman. Hopefully, the DH comes to the National League and he can stick there. And I think that just focusing on hitting, he can be a uh, a blue chip hitter. But outside of that, there's, there is a lot of question marks and uh, we've seen far too much lately, especially considering the collapse of guys like Jose Bautista and of guys like Estrubo Cabrera and even Wilson Ramos, who I've enjoyed having on the team and is a good hitter when healthy, but you know, these guys are taking time away from players who we need to know about. We need to see what they are moving forward and I think there's a fair argument to be made that that has been a hindrance more than a help especially obviously in hindsight I think there's no question but moving forward and obviously Crawford with the Homer last night starting to see him play the last two nights um I think they need to play the kids the rest of the way and and you know e- any reps matter and any opportunities to see these guys in major league situations matter but to that point I think that and where the more questions and answers thing is coming in, it seems like people are are so ready to, to move on from young players who have not gotten nearly enough of a chance to prove themselves. Uh, Scott Kingery, it seems like everyone is out on Scott Kingery. This is a kid who, before the season when the Phillies signed into an unprecedented contract before he ever came to the major leagues, everyone was lauding it. And everyone's like, Scott Kingery, we love this guy. He's a future superstar. And now everyone thinks he stinks. Just because of one rough season at the age of 24 in the major leagues. Taking a big jump. Being asked to do a lot of things. He's a kid. He would not be the first nor the last to come up to the major league struggle and then figure it out and have a really nice career. Same thing with J.P. Crawford. J.P. Crawford was an incredibly highly rated prospect. He has gotten barely an opportunity at the major league level and people have written him off. I think that's insane. I don't understand it. And if you want to say, oh, well, I don't know why and Tan is here fine. I think Santana will have a better year next year. I think that he got unlucky at times this year and did have a nice end of the season, but I, I understand it. Odubel Herrera, certainly a question mark. I still am pro-duble as it were, but I understand if you question him, if you want him, you know, to, to, if you don't want him to be the starting center fielder next year, if you want a Roman Quinn, who's obviously played well when given the opportunity um, and been healthy enough to do it. Um, instead, I understand it. I would take Odubel, and Oduble's contract makes him an asset no matter what. I think he's either traded or he's here. I don't think they're just going to get rid of him. He's a valuable asset as he has proven that he can be really successful at the major league level and his contract is unbelievably cheap, even for a, a, a platoon guy, if that's what he was. So there are certainly a lot of question marks, but I, I think that the ability for Peter, or the, the willingness for people to just move on from some of these kids has been uh, surprising to me. And maybe it's cause we haven't seen them play enough and maybe cause short Kingery who's been better lately. Let's uh, let's give credit where due and adjusted to playing shortstop. Well, and I, I still think they should move him back to second base, but he's, uh he did well out there when asked to, to, transitioned to being a shortstop and turned into a solid, you know, not great, but a solid shortstop with some range and an arm. So, um, I just think it's too quick to bail on these guys. And I would preach a little bit of patience and a little bit of understanding for people who are really young and, you know, most people are not Trout or Ronald Acuna right now, or these people who come up, Juan Soto at 19, 20, 21, 22, and just are awesome. It's, It's what makes this free agent class with Harper and Machado so interesting because those are two guys who came up at such a young age and were awesome from the start for the most part at least uh, with some dips obviously. But um, guys like that don't usually achieve the years you need to be a free agent at such a young age at 26, 27 to be on the market heading into their prime. That never happens. It's historic. It's historic. And that's why you have to give guys time. If they're twenty three, I mean, J. P. Crawford's a young kid. He's still growing, and I think that um, I think that hopefully, uh, you know, we'll get a better chance to understand who these guys are as we move forward. But I I do think there's still hope for what we've seen from guys on the major league roster. Nick Williams took a step forward um this year Jorge alfaro showed a lot of positive growth this year Uh, roman quinn when played obviously as we talked about looked like a nice player there's there's reason for optimism. michael franco had a really nice year and again it doesn't have to all be blue chippers you can win the world series without blue chippers like the kansas city royals did but i do think that they're going to be in on harper machado trout trade type stuff to really add that type of high level talent and again, I think it's important to note that the farm system, as we discussed yesterday, it has a, a quantity of quality. It may not be the top, top blue chip prospects other than Sixto potentially, but there's a lot of good prospects there. And not only can that help supplement you on the major league roster, but it can also be very valuable trade bait that can help supplement the major league roster in other ways as you're really trying to go for it. And uh, again, I think the Phillies are really well positioned and I I like the infrastructure of Klintak and Kapler and McPhail and Middleton above it. I think Middleton wants to win and he wants to spend to win and do whatever it takes. So um, again, obviously I I, I lean towards the Kapler-esque positivity as a general thing, but I think in this case there are more reasons for optimism than pessimism as Phillies fans from the way this organization is structured moving in. To the off season, but regardless, we still have to diagnose this season, to eulogize it, and we'll do that over the next few weeks. Obviously, but coming up, I want to dive into kind of what went wrong and why it went wrong, and uh, and we will also look ahead uh, to what's coming up for the fills over these last uh, seventeen games. As hopefully we see some positive growth for these kids, and just a uh, finishing out the season somewhat strong would be nice just to get some of the bad taste of the way it fell apart out of everyone's mouth. So all that more coming up. It's Philly State. It's James Seltzer will be right back. We are back Philly State. James Seltzer, as we eulogize a Philly season, which we will do over the next few days, the next couple of weeks, obviously, as we will also look ahead. As I've talked about my positivity here, belief that this will be a off season of good things, but we also still have to look back and talk about what went wrong and over the next few days we'll do it in a more macro sense but looking at it just in the most immediate sense and really over the last month and a half of the season and and uh, somewhat a macro level in the sense that i think when you look at it at an overarching level i do think this Phillies team did overachieve for the first part of the season and obviously we heard all the numbers to back it up the plus minus in terms of run differential the uh you know difference in one run games their record in those games the pythagorean win theorem there are a bunch of reasons from a statistical perspective looking at the data that said the phillies were not as good as they were playing that they were winning more games than they probably should and the thing that's deceiving is when you're watching the club on an every night basis, it really feels like it's not just luck. It's not just that they're overachieving. It's that this, this team is gutty and they're resilient and they find ways to win games. And they were, but at the same time, I do think that when, you know, we kind of would say to ourselves a fair amount, how are they winning all these games? The hitting's not hitting the, bullpen's been bad but hey starting pitching's good and and everyone hated Gabler and yet they kept winning games and i i do think that ultimately somewhat you know water does ro- uh, find its level but um i think that in the more immediate sense a few things to to kind of harp on First and foremost, I mean, the offense just, just left them, right? I mean, it's been such a shame. But I think a few things that we were counting on and expecting to get, we never got. We never got the oduble hot streak. You know, we talked about after that first streak to start the season, I mean, it seems like such a distant memory that he had, what, a 42, 41, 43 game on base streak to start the season and was just tearing the cover off the ball was leading the National League an average a not insignificant portion into the season and then um, just fell off a cliff as O'Double is prone to do but in the past he'll always come back and then there's always that other hot streak and we just got none of that this year and Kapler stuck with him for a while and then just started to kind of move away and and the inconsistency, just a, a really down year for Odubo Herrera after what seemed like such a promising start to it. It really seemed like Odubo was going to be a uh, a bust-out kind of player for this team this year. And Because we know he has the potential. I mean, that's the talent level that he has, but it just never seems like he could put it all together. I think another issue from an offensive perspective is, is even though he's been a little hotter uh, the last week but Reese Hoskins really just went cold at a a rough time you know a rough 20 to 30 game stretch here for Hoskins where he just hasn't been the same hitter that we saw right after the all-star break and when we know he's locked in so that's a a real frustrating thing is those two guys really the two guys the most catalysts for the offense and I, I also think that the moves that they made to fortify the roster, the, again, Jose Bautista, Strubo Cabrera, Wilson Ramos, Justin Bohr, bringing all these guys in. While they've certainly, I'm sure, added some some veteran presence, the bats haven't been enough of a difference maker to make up for some of the defensive inefficiencies. I mean, Estrubo Cabrera, uh, God bless him, he is an awful, awful shortstop. just a bad shortstop. He can play third base, but he's a bad shortstop. Jose Bautista is bad wherever you stick him. And this team, I think if you're looking at, and we'll talk more tomorrow about what went wrong across the, the season from a organizational type of failures, but I think the defense kind of applies in both cases in that you can't play defense that bad all season long that consistently and make mental errors and not cover bases and throw balls that you shouldn't throw and all that kind of stuff and not have it come back to bite you. You just can't. That's not the way baseball works. I've never seen a team that was as bad as affiliates defensively compete at all at any level. And this team was stuck in it while making error after error, mental mistake after mental mistake. It's um, it's actually pretty crazy to think about. And I do think that it's one of those things where... <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a double-edged sword for Kapler where on the one end, I think that you have to blame Kapler for that, right? I mean... This team just not being ready to play defense, not players throwing balls they shouldn't throw, players not knowing where they're supposed to be. I mean, Kaplar has to take some credit for that. Uh, there's no question about it. He is the manager. They are playing for him. That That's part of being fundamentals, you know? But at the same time, I also have to blame the players for that as well. I mean, you've been playing baseball your whole life. You should be able to do a better job of knowing what you're supposed to do, I'm sure, They at least coached it to some degree. (laughs) But I understand, um, you know, I I do think that that Kapler has to hammer that home. But again, you also have to make plays as well. I think there's blame to go around. But regardless, Kapler deserves blame for that. But at the same time, the fact that he was able to manage his way through all those mistakes and an offense that was streaky and often not hitting most of the time, legitimately a bullpen that he had no one he could count on at times. And Sir Anthony Dominguez for a while he could. And then just, you didn't know what you were going to get night in, night out. And he was maneuvering and making moves and all that. And I just think that, I think he's a good manager. And I understand that the defense part has to get, uh, he should get ripped for that. And there are things that he needs to work on. But I think on the whole, he's had a really good first year. And I think there's a lot of upside with him as a manager as he's open to new ideas. And he seems to grow and learn. I mean, remember the start of the season when everyone wanted to kill him after the Aaron Nola decision. He hasn't made that mistake again. There have been a few spots where you question his decision to pull the pitcher, but that's going to happen with every manager every season. But nothing like that. And he let Nola pitch in those spots a ton of times, up to 100-plus pitches numerous times. So I think he's learned from his mistakes. I think there's a lot of potential here. He's a smart guy who's going to learn, and um, I've been very impressed with him so far. I know that might be a a controversial take right now. Again, I, I do think I'm not absolving him of blame. The fact that they've collapsed down the stretch is absolutely on him as well. I mean, that's on everybody. He deserves some blame for it. But I also think that the rush to uh, to judge him is similar to the rush to judge Kingery and Crawford and all these guys who are super young and have a chance to grow. He is a first-year manager who should have a chance to grow. And uh, I think that there's so much potential there. He's a smart baseball guy. He played in the league forever. He understands players. Um, I know he's too positive for a lot of people. He doesn't rip his players in public, but I feel good about Gabe Kapler. I feel good about this organization moving forward. But again, there was a lot that went wrong and it's been a frustrating way for it to end. Cause it kind of, again, put a sour taste in our mouth, but we will continue to talk about it and to again, eulogize the season and, trying to remember some of the good times as well we'll have some fun over this next couple weeks as the season rounds out to a close a season that had so much promise and now coming to an end in a uh, a disheartening way but hopefully again the Phillies and especially some of the younger guys can get out there and, and fight and and give us an end to a season that you know we can at least be somewhat proud of instead of a, uh, a real bummer of an end to the season like we are getting at the moment. So we will see how that plays out again. Off day today and then back at it tomorrow. So um look, you know, will they win a series? That'd be fun. Uh, they do have Miami coming up. Miami, of course, not a good baseball team, but Hey, that hasn't stopped them from taking the last series from the Phillies and and just uh, the Phillies playing bad against everybody. So, look, fingers crossed, we'll see what happens either way. We'll be back to talk about that tomorrow and to continue to eulogize the season and remember the season and uh, and look ahead to what I think is a uh, a very bright future uh, for this Phillies team. So, until then, keep it here. We got you covered all day long right here on the Phillies 24 7 network.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.